One. Two. Three. Four. <laughs> Shit. I'm literally going to do that every time. Hello and welcome to the Chinwag Podcast. I'm going to be your host today, Sam. Tonight joining me is Rogan. Hello, how you doing? And Solo. Hello, hello. Now, uh, as we've finished the first series, you might remember at the end of the first series, me and Solo went head to head in a Harry Potter fan fiction pitching. Um, it's a segment of the show where we like to give an imaginary budget to two debaters, and they will debate on a film, a fiction film within a certain universe. And I mean, Solo did Harry Potter, they will be doing the X Men. Yeah. Because these two know a lot more about the X Men and its history. I decided I would judge this one and let these two battle it out. So, yeah, what what you think you got for his boys? What's going on? Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm a big big X Men fan from movies, from comics, from day. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no, not so much comics for for me as as much as Solo, but love the films and uh, definitely the animated series. You have to shout that out. Oh uh, yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, of course. One yeah, Wolverine. Best. And like I, I have to assume that both of our films includes that theme at some point. I hadn't thought about it, but but it probably does, and I didn't know, I didn't realize yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the way we like to do this is by having certain sections. Um, we'll break down who they would choose to be directors who the cast is, they'll have a minute to give a short synopsis of the film before we delve into it with a longer section. And then we will have a section at the end where we pick apart the films and, you know, try and expand the plots or, you know, explain things that might have confused us in the initial pitching. And then, yeah, we'll leave it to you guys in the comment section to decide who you'd have gave the budget to. Sorry. I mean, did you guys yeah. want to flip a coin, or did is anyone rare into? Uh, well, I think uh, it's I think it's it's an easy start with the because just because we're doing directors first because five minutes ago off off record, me and Rogan both found out we picked the same director. <laughs> this is the Bill Skarsgård incident all over again. Yeah. Yes. It, at least it's at least it's happened. <laughs> It's it's happened every time, both of the times. That's a hundred percent accuracy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, who is your yeah. your two's chosen director then? So um, we we've chosen the uh, the the wonderful Edgar Wright. Uh, I'm sure equal for his writing ability, his keen eye for editing. Um, you know, it is. His um, use of color, um, yeah, yeah. He, 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 offer, he, he offers great, a lot to this to this franchise. Yeah. He's got great craft skills, which I think is, is something really good for. Well, I guess not necessarily for a superhero movie, but to do it well, you need to know the craft skills 
very well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, indeed. And for anyone who doesn't know Edgar Wright, uh, do you guys want to give a couple of couple of films that he's done or couple yeah. of bangers? Yeah, absolutely. One that's very tied with mine um, in choosing him was Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, also, uh, most recently, you'll remember Baby Driver. I'll let uh, Solo take the others. Yeah, those are two of mine as well. Like, I mean, just because obviously, you know, we both know why we picked him. But also, I think there's also with the, like the Shaun of the Dead film, um, Hot Fuzz, he really you can see that demonstrates he has very good skills with ensembles mm, which yeah. is something that like naturally for an x-men movie it's a team movie you need to know how to deal with these kind of problems intuitively yeah which is something that's proven is in as well as in storycraft if you know what i mean yeah he he balances screen time very well between the characters you know, yes. nobody gets too much or too little. There's no, not really any fat to trim, or um, you're not really well, left with an X-Men film. That can that can be a big, big issue, can't it? Oh yeah, but well, I, that, a lot, of, a lot of the X-Men films focus on numerous power characters that yeah. it can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming. Yeah, we both have huge sure. casts, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've yeah, I think I've got what I guess seven hero characters. So, so that's the, that's the ma- that's the main focus of mine. But I've I've tried to I think in in my head that most of them are defined pretty well in how they're going to work story wise, or at least like like for casting choices, I've got them married quite well to personality, which right. is a, which is something that. Well, I mean, in the Cornetto films is an Edgar Wright one. He gets all, all of the casting groups are great for that. Mm. I mean, it's because it's the same people, it's the same team, so jokes always bang. Especially, well, Hot Fuzz especially. Yeah. Yeah. But, Maybe yeah. not so much the world sound. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I haven't seen that one. We don't talk about that one. Uh, exactly, <laughs> no, there's don't. a reason. Yeah. Unfortunately, the end to that trilogy, I think I think I was talking with some about this, is is Paul, which isn't an Edgar Wright film. <laughs> but yeah. that's the true end to that trilogy. Yeah. Indeed. Do love that one. So yeah, how do we wanna how do we wanna get into this? Are we we speak for a minute each first? Yeah, yeah. Are we, um, are we doing can... synopsis or cast? <laughs> I think we're uh, going to think... synopsis and then you can get an idea of where the cast fit into yeah. it. Okay, yeah, that's, that's it. good to me. Um, who wants to uh, Who wants to go first? Yeah, I don't have a coin handy. So... I do. I actually do. Uh, okay. Call heads or tails? Uh, heads. Outlanded heads. Okay, so, cool. Um, All right. You go first. I'll take go it first away. Then? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it away. Right. Go ahead. Okay, so... The timeline of mine is the timeline of Endgame, essentially. So the first scene we see is Xavier at the moment of the snap. And then we flash forward to a point where that effect creates the mutants 
or at least the majority mutant race, he finds out and then he puts an X-Men team together that consists of Cyclops, Storm, Gene, Beast, Angel, and Iceman. And the main villain driving force is this guy called Cameron Hodge. And he's like a military figure that's trying to figure out what the US government is going to have to do with the growing mutant population now that they're becoming aware of it. And so he sets up a plan to bring the X-Men out and tracks them back to the mansion. But when the X-Men get there ahead of him, they find that Xavier's been kidnapped and the mansion has been destroyed. So they, they have to leave ahead of the military arriving. So they sneak out and basically they track down Xavier, who's been kidnapped by a juggernaut, held hostage at Madison Square Garden. Um, they have to fight, they defeat him, and they and like there's then they go back to the mansion and everything's like there's a moral roundup. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't th- I so, feel I feel like that was more than a minute. <laughs> oh just over. You had a minute and uh, about a minute and fifteen, but that's okay. Damn. That's okay. Uh, I was I could feel myself talking so fast I was like there's too many words in my head and this isn't a minute. <laughs> <laughs> No, that sounds that sounds interesting. So we've got it's just after the snap. These are the yeah. people that have survived it. Yeah, okay. basically, basically, it's like so. There were a few mutants prior to the the snap in Infinity War, but then when Thanos destroys the gems, like you know, in that interim between Infinity War and Endgame, yeah. the after effect of that creates like a, a wellspring and like a massive growth in the mutant population on Earth as one of the resulting factors from it. Okay, so, so yeah. the destruction of the Infinity Stones. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why there's so many more mutants all of a sudden is because the stones get destroyed. Because, you know, they, they kind of set up a rule of, you know, like, you know, the whole, like, Endgame's, like, plot is like, oh, you know, every action is equal and opposite reaction. So I was thinking, yeah. like, reaction to the gems being destroyed is the power goes out into the universe and one of its effects is more mutants. Interesting. I'll, I'll go, yeah, I'll, I'll go into detail when we do the yeah. full, um, full thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Morgan, do you, are you yeah. ready to, to give you a minute? I guess so. I'll take it away, my friend. Okay, so uh, this is um, an alternate uh, universe, uh, part of the multiverse. So it's got all the history. It's a com- it's a it's a completely new Earth. Um, it's a bit of a school drama, a coming of age. Uh, main characters are Jubilee, um, Kitty Pride, and um, Angel. Uh, th- those are the the main three. So. It's in a very political um, time. Um, they're in they're in school, but there's a huge um, our mutants uh, weapons or humans um, sort of political sphere, um, and there are a lot of protests of which um, the kids at the school are getting ready to go to, um, and you can kind of see that it's politically tense uh, between between the staff, uh, which are the X Men. Uh, so they go to the protest and uh, Sebastian Shaw shows up, but very subtly um, and, and causes an explosion. Um, 
whilst they were there, so there were loads of students, Nightcrawler, um, Havoc, and Cannonball are taken um, beforehand. Should have mentioned this. Gambit is quite suspicious of them, so he like tracks. So he essentially tracks them, uh, which leads them to separate other riots that start to kick off from these protests, of which they're involved. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that sends um, a trail um, on the X Men side as to uh, who recruited the staff. Uh, sorry, the kids and how. But it also because these riots turned into like serious, like explosions and stuff um it leads the the children especially but guarded um into political hiding um which essentially ends up with a confrontation with the hellfire club who's behind it all okay right that sounds interesting i'm not um <clears throat> too clued up on a couple of them x-men so i'm sure in the actual hypnosis and whatnot It'll become a lot clearer to me, but um, no, it sounds good. So, we're it's an alternate earth, is it modern day? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. it's, oh, yeah. it's exactly where we are in the MCU. How does it fact like so? It's if if this is an alternate earth, is is it is it going to cross over with like MCU timeline eventually? Yeah, well, um. So there's a. I have a post-credit scene where Doctor Strange okay. shows up, and I make like make like Gray within one of. So um, one of the um <coughs> protests that goes bad. So like essentially, I mean, I kind of had to like because the time was going on, but mm. uh, the the X Men themselves, the teachers that are with the students, they they have to break up to follow each of the. Uh, you've got Nightcrawler, Cannonball, and Havoc, who are going in separate directions. Um, so, like, they they break up. Um, okay. Whilst you're at the one with Cannonball, uh, Nate Gray shows up on a random and just kind of, like, for contextual reasons, really, but also to introduce... Um, to introduce him and like i didn't want to go with cable so much because obviously like he, no it's an interesting choice because i'm i'm actually quite a fan of nate gray like okay. not, not not a lot of people even know who he is so i love the fact that you yeah no i'm part out. of um i'm part of that crew yeah, <laughs> yeah so like too. i just yeah I, well I, I looked him up and like he seemed like a really fucking cool way to like bridge this gap that I needed sort of bridging <laughs> but I like, like it. I very much like it yeah we'll, we'll get into it more I'm sure yeah 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 we'll, we'll go into um deep strokes in a bit right yeah so I guess it's your casting choices now um take us away so cool. like who have you got playing yeah. well this is I think that the, the initial trouble I had thinking about some of these was because we're because this is meant to be going into the MCU timeline, I didn't all want to pick people that had... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, I've I've got all of them except <laughs> I have cheated on one character, which is I cheated to okay. cast Charles Xavier because I've cast Ben Kingsley because I think he would be so brilliant as Xavier. Okay. And Yeah. And then I've got Cy- and Cyclops. I've got John Boyega. Uh, oh yes oh yeah that's a right i mean incredible 
he or at uh, least he would he would be brilliant i think uh bro. storm i've got kiki lane who was the lead in if beale street could talk okay very good actress uh jean gray i've got emma corin who is an actress i only just found out about recently because i was around at my grandma's watching the crown with her and it's she plays the young diana in what i assume is the most recent series um and she is like even like even though i think it was she yeah like two she was well she, she was of the two i watched she was only in one of them heavily but she was very good and i think she would play a great gene in the how in the direction i want to take it because of because of what i've seen of what she can do thus far uh, okay. and then oh, this is another one that gets a bit political because i've got for beast i've got grant gustin and he's in the dc camp on the cw oh, i think so, that can be allowed you know mm. i think yeah, yeah no I, yeah like at least it's not as bad as like King Kingsley, who's been MCU time. But it's just like you know how they like to draw their they're like there's a, there's a line that only a few people have crossed from mm, DC to yeah. Marvel. But yeah, and oh yeah, well so yeah, he's he's plays the Flash on TV. I, I don't I don't know if I just said, but yeah, that's what he's yeah. from. It all depends on whether um, CW wanna release him from his contract to come shoot, I guess. True. Yeah. Uh, and then, okay, yeah, and then I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got Angel, who I've got Dane, I think Dahan is how you say his surname, or Dehan. Oh, I like plays, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I really like him. Really he's like, like a, a younger emo Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he's um, Andrew in Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, oh, amazing Spider-Man! Too. Yeah, he's in at least. Yeah. Yeah. he's good. I know exactly what I'm about. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of rough looking, isn't he? Yeah. He's, um, yeah. No, I've, he's, I've, he's I've always been a bit, Yeah, I've always been a big fan of his since that film. Yeah, he and played yeah, a good Harry Osborne as well. Mm. He got done dirty by that film, but then, you know, I'm rescu- I'm rescuing him with Angel. <laughs> you know what? Solid, solid choice. Other choice. So those an angel quite big, like zooped up, like. Well, this is the thing. Like, I've, 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 figure. Yeah, but I, I mean, as as you can tell by John Boyega as Cyclops, I'm playing it a bit, uh, a bit loose. And when Ben Kingsley okay. is Xavier, a bit loose with the original adaptation. Okay. Interesting. Um, but actually, well, one that I've got, oddly enough, the next character, Iceman, I've got actually quite similar to how he first appears, where he's, he's the youngest one and he's the Joker on the team. And I've got Joe Keery, who plays Steve in Stranger Things. Okay. Are you, do you know the one yeah, I want? Yeah, yeah. Steve Harrington, yeah, I'm a fan of Stranger who's Things. originally the boyfriend. Of, yeah. I, yeah, because I, I think he's, he's hilarious. But, and so, like, I think he will work well in that kind of jokey side of Iceman that we haven't really seen in films, even though that's, like, that's very much the personality that is established in comics. Are you going to use him kind of like... Another th- that's another kind of... Mm. Are you going to use him kind of like... Oh, sorry, how what you were you going to say? In Days of Future Past, just for, like, comedic release? Yeah, yeah, or... yeah. Well, 
he like he will he will. It's not like he'll just be the com- he won't just be the comedy, but he will be like. I mean, I mean, he's he's that style of comedy, you know, like in that same way that Quicksilver was. Yeah, but, yeah, he's the like he's the Joker on the team. Uh, which which is another point I think would work great in Edgar Wright's favor because he's great with those kind of characters. Yeah. Oh yeah, like uh, your uh, your um, Nick Frost sort of roles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Trust. Okay. And then, oh yeah. And I've got one. I've got one more X Men who would be in a post credit scene, which is this character from Ultimate X Men, which is a line of comics set in a diff- set in a different dimension from the main Earth Six One Six called James Hudson Jr., which is in this timeline, Wolverine's son that is raised in Canada by Guardian and Vindicator. And so he's going to, at the end of this film, they're going to bring him to Xavier and be like, look, you know, we've, we've been looking after this, <coughs> this kid of a friend of ours, but we've re- like now that they've, people are finding out about Xavier, they've brought him to the school to be like, look, we think you might be able to help him in ways that we can't. So he's a cameo. And for that, I've got Charlie Heaton, who's also from Stranger Things. Actually, he, I guess he was, he was, funnily enough, was Cannonball in New Mutants. Uh, but he plays, oh, I, I, he's, he's the elder of the Bias brothers. I forget his, I forget his forename. The one that yeah, was in one. it, the bully in it. Wasn't it? Yeah, the, he was. Yeah. I think you're he right. Was. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it that yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, he's the mullet guy, isn't he? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah he plays okay, a really yeah, good yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's gonna he's gonna be in like what will be the next film? He's gonna be he's he's gonna be play the character this Wolverine's son. So it's like, it's not, you know, Logan Wolverine, but this is a different version of Wolverine. Yeah, I see it. Uh, you know. uh, and then on to, on to villains. Uh, I, I guess the, the, the main villain, I guess, in terms of story, is this character called Cameron Hodge. Um, and for him, I've got Tom Welling. Because this and so this character, he's like a military anti-mutant general. Like uh, he's he's originally introduced in the X Factor comics, and it all kind of he'll have a similar mentality to how he appears there. Now he's very much like he just hates mutants and he pretends to be on their side at first, but he he's really after them. Except like I'm I'm going to skip the part where he pretends to be on their side and he's just trying to prove. He, like one, he wants to prove mutants exist to prove that they're a threat and that they need to be controlled. And so he's going to be like, like I, I mentioned briefly in the synopsis earlier that he's going to stage a hostage taking of a military base with like with people from his department called the Office of National Emergency, uh, which is I mean, just O-N-E or one, however you want to say it. Uh, which is a comic thing, but basically it's like they send people in mech armor to take a base in order to lure the mutants out to 
like liberate it and then they follow like yeah so so he drives the story that way but then the actual villain who you have the like the rough and tumble with at the end is going to be juggernaut and you're going actually you're going to get quite a lot about juggernaut's actual character outside of just being the tough guy yeah yeah i said tom welling was playing hodge right Okay. Well, okay. Well, and even Tom Welling, who played Superman in Smallville, is playing Cameron Hodge. I I can't remember if I said or not. I know you said it before we started recording, but Juggernaut. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll be fine. Uh, Juggernaut, I've got as Daniel Craig, because as like as you get into his backstory, you'll see that there's a kind of because basically I'm going to explore the relationship that Xavier and Juggernaut had when they were younger. Because in the comics, they're foster brothers. So you're going to get into their backstory and how like in, they go to Korea together. And okay. Xavier thinks that Kane Marco Juggernaut dies and leaves him in Korea. But really, he survives and comes back to take vengeance on Xavier yeah. for leaving him behind. Can I just ask one? So even, so like, even though, it's, yeah, just don't give him an accent as bad as the one in Knives Out. Oh God! Well, no, because this is the advantage: is that Xavier and Kane Marco are both actually meant to be British, so they're both. So it's like Ben Kingsley and Daniel Craig are just going to be. Oh, they're going to play it natural. <laughs> thank God! Yeah, I can't hear Daniel. Sorry, Craig I, doing I that thought of that one. That long again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. That's an interesting one. So is that your villain? Yeah, I, and then there's going to be two appearances from Magneto, played by Jeremy Irons. Who, well, I don't, I don't need to tell you who the he is. No. So how, I mean, how old are they? Well, they're all, basically, they're all going to be roughly the ages the actual actors are right now. So it's going to be, well, I guess actually they're all going to be a bit younger than they are technically. So they'll be late twenties to early thirties, and so basically the story's going to have it's going to skip ahead by the five years like Endgame did. So they're going to have developed their powers for five years. Oh, okay. So are we are we strapping like so original yeah, so storylines? Essentially as, as you get further into one. it, there will be mutants with yeah, but, exa- yeah. Essentially, it's going to be like how into like there's just there's been a sudden increase in the mutant population, even though there have been ones before. Like Xavier and Magneto have been mutants their whole life. But oh, okay, so that's these the X Men. This X Men team are going to be yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But it's just basically the the court, What happens with the gems is it just makes more of them. So it's like there already were some mutants, but now like the evolution has been accelerated, which is would and I basically how I've just I've changed that a bit from in the comics how they explain it is that the increase of nuclear weapons being developed on Earth causes the sudden evolution of the mutant race. <laughs> so basically, I'm just going with like okay, instead of nuclear weapons being the cause for more mutants. Infinity gems destroyed equals more mutants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, that's interesting. Now Rogan, I guess. Uh, 
Have you got as many mutants featuring in yours? Or yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. you have more, right? <laughs> yeah. So well, take it away. The main the main cast, which is these, which is the kids. I haven't I haven't done. Um, I haven't cast it for because I I just don't know young actors right now. Like they'd literally be the Stranger Things cast, or they'd be like from films two plus years ago kind of thing. Like so, there just isn't isn't a big enough pool to pull them from. But I have casted for for most of the the older folk. Uh, so yeah, um, essentially the we Vogue Angel Kitty Pride uh, is the main three that take you through the film. No, Jubilee, Angel, and Kitty Pride. Rogue's a bit older. She kind of protects them a bit, like uh, Josh Brolin in The Goonies. Um, okay. So out like of it. yeah, out of the X Men role, right? So Professor X, I held back on this. You don't you don't know my Professor X is do you so? Well? Oh no, I don't think you told me. No, so I swear to God, if it's Ben Kingsley. No, no. Although my Professor X has actually been in the MCU before. He played Odin oh. in Ragnarok. Ooh. So good call. I'm going with Sam Neill. Sam Neill, who. Oh, um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, not you Anthony took, Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah you no, took that away. I wasn't expecting. I was thinking Hopkins is over, uh, not uh, Xavier. No, I mean that would have been a good call, but no. I mean that's, I'm, a, that's a shout. Like. I'm I'm going Sam Neil. Yeah. Sam Neil was good though. I love a bit of Sam Neil, man. Yeah. So, um, I mean I've never seen him bold, but um, I think he can pull off, and he's the right age that I want as well. Um, so, Cyclops. Um, I've got Andrew Garfield. Um, okay. Wolverine is Carl Urban. Gene is. Bryce Dallas Howard Gambit. I'm I'm going back with Taylor Kitsch, you know, because I don't think he he did a bad job, and I think he kind of suited it, you know, from X Men Origins. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did like him. Yeah, I think he would, might have been the best bit of the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, quite. Yeah, probably. So, and then my villains. So the overarching. So we we have Nightcrawler. Havoc and Cannonball, which make an ensemble with with the other the other kids, but um, they're like uh, chess pieces, and chess will be referred to um, a few times through the film. Um, so, in their Hellfire Club, who are the people essentially planning these these riots in order to um, create a political agenda, essentially turning people against mutants. So that uh, they they can essentially spark a a, a race war. Uh, obviously, I don't know mutants versus humans. Does I don't know if that constitute if that's the right terminology. Uh, but that that's what yeah, I, I mean. I I would say so. Yeah. yeah. I guess in the same way that I mean they they that's what you would have called a riot. Well, at least that's what they did call the riots in the fifties when it was just black and white. Mm. You know, race war. I mean. Yeah, uh, but this At least is that's what Cartman always called it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so with the Hellfire crew, Sebastian Shaw, who was played by um, Kevin Bacon in First Class, um, I'm I'd have mm-hmm. him played by Ian McShane. Um, 
who you might know from Deadpool, uh, Deadpool from John Wick. He runs the Continental in John Wick. Uh, he's in American Gods. Um, he's, he's, he's in quite quite a lot. Um, Emma Frost, who you also you also saw in uh, First Class. Uh, First Class played with this this crew. Um, Lily James, um, who's also worked with Edgar Wright in the past. Um, Azazel um, is Mads Mikkelsen. Um, Mystique, I haven't chosen a cast for because um, I'd, I'd want somebody who's, who's very flexible. Plus, she's not really Mystique. You, uh, you, you see her sort of infiltrating more politically. Um, she, she, right. she plays various characters. Magneto okay. is in the last scene, and I've got Viggo Mortensen for him. And uh, Nate Gray is Ansel Ego from Baby Driver. Oh, nice. Really need to see this Baby Driver film. You haven't seen it? I haven't seen Baby Driver, no. You like, you, yeah. You'll have a good time there. Well, um, that's that's real interesting. I noticed, so... I like him. Mystique's going to be politically involved, so she's going to be... She's not, we're not going to see Blue Mystique, really. She's going to be in disguise. Yeah, so the Hellfire crew, you never directly see them do anything, but... They're there if you pay attention to them. So Mystique, um, you can... But Mystique is a part of the Hellfire Club in a circle, right? Yeah. She, in this, fil- in this okay. film, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. She's one of the... So you, you only see them all together uh, one time. Um, so there's... The scene that's introduced to them, um, you, you get... So it, you, you you essentially see Emma Frost enter a club called the Hellfire Club, and then she goes into a private room called the Inner Circle, and when she opens the doors to the Inner Circle, and that's where they are around the they've there's screens on the back wall showing the various riots. Uh, there's like um a, a kind of war table um, in the center, but there's chess pieces being played. Um. Yeah, and that's the only time you see them all, and Magneto isn't there. But there is, just subtly, a screen in the background with Magneto in his cell. Um, just just placed there, but not actually referenced on. Because, oh. yeah, Magneto's locked up. Yeah. Um. Cool. All right. Um, I guess we get into the thick of it now. Yeah, am I? I'm. I'm. Am I still leading us off? Yeah, you. You can do. Okay, cool. Let me just get my. Oh, actually, yeah. You know, I went. I went quite easy on my notes. I saved myself some reading, so we're good. <laughs> All right. So basically, so as as aforementioned in this, like the earlier synopsis. This is set like with roughly the same kind of timing, like not not pacing, but like just you know in terms of a timeline that Endgame works on. So the scene that we see 
on the day of the snap is Xavier's in his in his mansion in Westchester, you know, upstate New York, just chilling. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you see him react to like some kind of telepathic incident, which is going to be the the snap in Wakanda. So it's like he senses all of the deaths around the world. And so he he goes almost catatonic and like a kind of fit on the floor. And then Magneto runs in. Jeremy Irons is Magneto. And oh, yeah. And, you know, Ben Kingsley again is Xavier here. So he runs in, goes over to Xavier to see what's wrong with him and like tries to help him, seats him back in his chair. And then as like Xavier kind of puts himself back together to figure out what's going on, Magneto dies in front of him. And so he's off the board. Oh, shit. Yeah. And oh, so, the game early. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you see, they just have a moment and like it's happening and he's just like, oh, Charles. You know, like they have, as they have those moments with each other and just dies in front of him. So he's dying from the snap. Yeah, Mag- yeah, Magneto's died as a result of half the. He's one of the half of the universe that dies. Okay. Um, and so then we kind of cut to Xavier. He's he's in the wheelchair already at this point, just to establish. But he we then see him in New York, and you know he's kind of looking around, and it's all in shambles, and then. You see him like he kind of he receives another kind of attack, except instead of going into a fit this time, he's kind of able he's better able to process it. And he senses the birth of like new mutants around the world as a result of when on the garden, Thanos, when he destroys the stones, the like the reactionary effect of that energy having to go somewhere in the universe has caused like a sudden growth in the mutant population of Earth. Um, and so then we flash forward like five years as like similar fashion that the end game timeline does. And yeah. we open in the danger room. So we open on like a training session for the X-Men. And this is like a giant sentinel is attacking the mansion. And so this is where we meet Cyclops, Beast, Angel, Storm, Jean, Iceman, and they're all fighting this giant sentinel. Okay. And so they're fucking it up. Uh, like they take it down, and then they're like, you know, less, like it, it's, it's going to be very like kind of comic style formula where it's like they take it down. They're all like, oh, you know, like good job team, go out. And then Xavier's just like, oh, you know, he's like he's tense as shit because he's like, oh, you know, like you, we can't afford to have fun with this kind of shit because if 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 like a robot does show up on our doorstep. You need to you need to be able to actually deal with that as a threat, not as like some fun with the powers. Yeah, because they yeah. yeah, it's, it's like they are only dealing with threats inside of these simulations <clears throat> until this point. Mm. Um, and so then, kind of, so from this sort of introduction to the X Men, we then go to Cameron Hodge and the like one committee, which is the Office of National Emergency. Which is one is like it's just one of the groups in the comics that is like anti-mutant and military. And okay. Hodge is well, I guess in the comics he's he originally pretends to help the first team of the first X Factor team, but he betrays them in the end to try and get all the mutants that they rounded up and like I, I don't remember what he tries to do with them, but basically he's like a child abducting asshole. You know, 
meet Tom Welling. And, and so basically from this introduction to him, he proposes a plan to hold a military base for ransom because all of the, like from their spy shit, they've, they've been keeping tabs on the superheroes and they see that they're all currently indisposed. You know, quote unquote, this is where Endgame is happening. So all other superheroes are off the board. So they're like, if we stage one of these incidents and no people with superpowers show up to stop us, then we can conclude that maybe there's like maybe we're overreacting about this mutant threat. But if we do stage something and then like people start to come out of the woodwork to stop us, this proves that what we're talking about about this new superpowered population is true. And if they can actually stop us, it proves that they're a threat. And so they they hold this base for ransom. And the base is, this is going to be like a little throwback to the X-Men number one comic. And that is going to be the, it's going to be the actual military base that they, um, that this, that this first ever issue of X-Men takes place in. Uh, what is it called again? You'd think I would have known this off my top, off by heart. <laughs> I know it was, you know, it was in Florida and I'll just, I'll just go with that. That's all I can remember. So there's a military base in Florida. They hold it hostage with like, they have these kind of mech troopers. So they're not quite sentinels because they're operated by actual pilots, but they take it hostage. Xavier, like in the mansion, Xavier spots it and he's like, oh, you know, this is a nuclear facility. And like, they kind of give it a bit of birth of time to see if someone's going to show up and stop them. And when like, it's when it seems like, oh shit, no one's like, that this is a potential nuclear disaster and no, it's going there. We have to move and we have to be the ones to deal with this problem because this is a problem that affects everyone. You know, classic X-Men kind of morals where it's like, oh, you know, it's about everyone. Well, you know, what can one do when it's asked of us? So they go to the base. Uh, we get the first kind of proper battle with them. So they're not like, they go for the rough and tumble, but they're not quite ready for it. So it's like they're fighting the troopers, they're putting up a good fight, but they're not, they're not overcoming the enemy. And so while they're in this battle, Jean gets a, like a call from the professor through telepathy and she senses that he's in danger. And so she like calls out to the team. She's like, oh, like we need to get back to the mansion. Like the professor's in danger. So they kind of hustle through, like beat, beat up the mech guys faster. Eventually they go. And then the X-Men leave on the Blackbird. And then like, you know, they get the classic like dress down from Cyclops. who is like, oh, you know, we should have, you know, we should have been better for this. Like we've been preparing all these years and, you know, we should have been able to deal with them, but they got away kind of shit. And then yeah. they get, they get back to the mansion and the mansion's like pretty much destroyed and like it's like just been ripped apart. So they have to go in to investigate and they find that there's a trail, like they find a trail of destruction leaving from the mansion back to the city. And so they're able to deduce that, that well, I mean, they don't deduce that who it is, but the professor's been taken by whatever this was. And Subsequently, as they're coming to realize this, the ONE forces led by Cameron Hodge have, have tracked the Blackbird back to the mansion. And so they go there, find it, 
and like so that the X-Men have to escape without using the Blackbird. So they have to go on foot and Jean kind of hides them from their minds with the telepathy. They get out of there and they go after the professor. And then we go and we see the professor. He's at Madison Square Garden where he's been taken hostage by the juggernaut. And this is where we get into the backstory of the juggernaut of being foster brothers with Xavier. And he's basically like he, he's, he blames the professor for his, for like leaving him in Korea because the two of them, they served in Korea together. Charles thought, yeah, Charles thought Juggernaut died, but he survived and got the powers of the Juggernaut in the temple. Like it's, it, this is his classic comic origin story. So it's just kind of going okay. through that quickly. Um, and then at this, and so then we kind of go with, the, we go back to the X-Men and they're on their way here. Uh, eventually they get to the garden. They have the fight, they have a fight with the juggernaut. And then like, this is, you know, we get to see them work together properly to defeat someone that's severely more powerful than they are as a single individual. And so they have to work their team powers together. So it's like a usual juggernaut story of how you defeat him. You have to take the helmet off and then attack his mind. And that's the only way to bring him down. So Gene and the professor attack his mind together. And then it's here that we see a further like real explanation of the proper psychological like effect that Juggernaut's going and he actually hates the professor because his, his actual dad who became Xavier's stepdad prefers Xavier to him. So he's hated him his whole life and then like that but then then when he leaves him in korea that's like his his excuse to now like take vengeance on him as soon as he gets the powers of the juggernaut he decides to come after him because he's hated him his whole life and of course being the villain and being here to kill the professor they still have to take him down even knowing he's not here for, it's like he it's, it's like you kind of you kind of they're forced to defeat him even knowing that he is a victim unto himself because mm. it, it like just psychologically he hasn't got the help he needed like he could he he needed someone to help him get through the trauma of essentially his dad preferring a stepson over his birth son which is pretty fucked up mm. yeah yeah and as they're defeating the juggernaut the people start to come back to life and so all of the people in the garden, like, you know, like the baseball players that were there on the day, the snap happened, the audience, they all come back to life. And the first thing they see is Gene and Xavier, like essentially just making, like putting the juggernaut into a catatonic state to bring him down. And so then that just leads to mass panic immediately because they're like, oh my God, what the, like, what the fuck have we just woken up into? Like what nightmare shit is this? And they all run. So like, even though like it wasn't filmed or anything because people run in panic, but now the mutants have been seen and are kind of out there in the public consciousness, as well as the military having discovered them. And so then they go back to the mansion uh, and the, like, the military presence that went there to look for the, to look for the X-Men have gone, like assuming that the base is destroyed, or at least this is what the audience assumes they've left because the mansion was destroyed and they had no like leads from there. But we'll get to that in a bit. And 
So how this kind of ends is with Xavier explaining about his past with his past with the Juggernaut, even though the Juggernaut, like he he had moral or like psychological reasons that made him do what he did. You know, like he they are still forced to defeat him, and they talked about like very much in key with what the kind of X Men messages is that like you know you're not going to always get a black and white decision of there's a good choice or there's a bad choice like in the world that you're now going to have to deal with because they've all now seen like just people in complete terror of them for the first time and he's like going forward you know you're you're going to be faced with these decisions just as a matter of life and it's not going to be as easy as you think it is in the simulations that we've been dealing with earlier in this movie and so that's that's the ending point and then I've got two post-credits bits. Um, I, I think I said it off record earlier, but the first post-credits scene is where James Hudson Jr., the young Wolverine, is introduced. Uh, so Guardian and Vindicator, his foster parents, bring him to the mansion because they find out about Xavier and they're like, look, you know, his dad was a friend of ours, but he went missing. A couple, he went missing like 20 years ago. And they just haven't seen him since. And they think that Xavier will be able to do a better job raising this son of Wolverine than they could because he's a mutant and they're not. And so in the next film, he'd be on the X-Men team. And the second post credit scene, which is probably going to be like seven or eight minutes unto itself. As you know, maybe not that long, maybe like a whole five minutes though. Is going to be Magneto returns to life because he died with Snap, he comes back as well. And he comes back and he's in the destroyed mansion and the military forces are coming in to swarm the mansion. So, because so, this is, while the X-Men are dealing with the Juggernaut, he's here, the military's still here. Oh, right. and they, spot, they spot him and they're like, oh fuck, you know, it's a mutant. They try to shoot him. Of course he stops the bullets, but then it's like he's just woken up from, he doesn't even know what's happened to him mansion is destroyed military are here he's getting shot at like all of this crazy shit's going on so he has to like he he like fucks up the soldiers that are attacking him and like escapes barely with his life because he's only just returned to life so he's so weak and he flies off and this is going to be like the start of magneto in this kind of in this new time oh sounds sick yeah. So very, very much setting up like a, this is intro to the X Men, and this is going to be their life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Juggernaut dies. They just defeat no, he, him. He, yeah, he doesn't die, but like they, um, they, they have, they have to force him into a catatonic state to bring him down. Like Xavier and Jean have to attack his mind, and he's yeah, he's, I guess he's in a coma basically, because that's the only way they could escape him. But okay. I, like, I, I guess, like you know, I guess the the long answer, I guess he'd be picked up by like either Shield or, you know, I, well, I guess yeah. there's not a Shield at this point, but it would, I guess, it would be the Office of National Emergency, you know, the thing that Tom Welling's running as Cameron yeah. Hodge, you know, and they take him off somewhere. Okay. Um, do you 
to um, do the Avengers exist alongside? Because, like, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just so curious, you know, so, like, with, you say well, this happens between the five years, the five years period. Yeah, well, ba- well basically, it's, no, no, well, where the two points we deal with are the same kind of two areas that we see in Endgame. So we have the snap immediate, which is when Xavier sees Magneto die. And that's when half the population gets wiped out. But then the time point that we come back on is the same time that the Avengers are dealing with. They're they're going back in time and getting the gems, defeating Thanos. And that's why the people come back to life in the stadium while they're there. And that's why the, um, like, while Magneto comes back to life at the mansion. And this is why um, Cameron Hodge, Tom Welling's character, sets up the taking of the the military base at this time because they're keeping tabs on the avengers and they're like okay most of them are engaged here here and here if we stage this event it will have to be unknown superheroes that would try and stop it like as is kind of like it's like an oh that actually fits quite nicely yeah yeah exactly so it's like yeah so it's like the main heroes are kind of out of the way so He's like that's why they've got it working this way, and that's why the X Men. So they can now keep Mm. tabs on anyone who isn't in the Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they're they're trying to prove that like mutants exist. So there's more like, and to prove that more superpowered people would have to exist. So let's stage something and see if people are going to come out of the woodwork. Well, that's. Uh, do you have any questions for him, Rogan? Um, no, no. But I mean, we we spoke about it beforehand, so mm. I knew I knew the crux to the story. As they say. Um, okay. Yeah, so his gene. Um, I think we spoke about it before, anyway. But just to clear for anyone listening, genes, not batshit. At this point, no, no, she's she, just she, she no, no, she's just normal. She's just normal Jean Grey, like has you know telepathy yeah, yeah. and telekinesis. Like, like I'm not, I'm not even like ignore. If I if if I did get to the Phoenix down the line, I would do it as if she's not batshit. It came from space, you know. Okay. Like cool. you know the the proper okay. way because yeah. I don't I don't believe in mental illness. I believe in giant fire monsters from space. Let's be real here. Mm. <clears throat> So Jean's not PMSE. We're all good, yeah. No, no, she's just a normal, thir- like thirty-year-old woman with superpowers, really. Brilliant. I mean, as normal as that can be, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that sounds good. To be honest, it fits nicely. It'd be a good way to introduce. Mm. That would you have the. Avengers and the X-Men linking up after that or would they continue their own separate I mean you've obviously set up Wolverine and all them lot to yeah for, well the, how, the, the, next, the next film I would do would be the story of God Love it's, it's this famous X-Men story called God Loves Man Kills which is when they introduce Stryker who's like a anti-mutant priest and he goes on, he has this whole thing called the Striker Crusade, which is like, you know, Christians against mutants. 
and it gets into yeah. this really like that like it, because of how this is set up of like you know we're going into a gray world as the mutants and what decisions we're going to have to face i think strike is a great villain of really representing that kind of he's the perfect face of like misunderstanding and being hate like having hate for misunderstanding like just based on a difference and so they're gonna like really have to confront and deal with like people trying to kill them just out of hatred so it's like there's not a they don't see you as a threat in so far as like oh you've got superpowers so you're dangerous it's more like you've got superpowers so there's something wrong about you and i hate you because of it so that's what it that's what it would be going into from there okay so again like event like it because that next story isn't like super villain doomsday plot again the avengers wouldn't need to function into it too much okay interesting right i guess we uh we get on to you rogan and your uh your plot yeah right so we um we start off with the schools you know pretty much at peace everyone's high spirits um we have angel jubilee jubilee you would say is the lead and uh kitty pride um, and they are looking forward to protest, which is supposed, it, it's all planned to be positive. It's a pro-humans and mutants protest. Um, <clears throat> and it's in regard to a, a, a rise in political um, opinion that uh, mutants are, are weapons, uh, you know, and that... Uh, the world has weapons of mass destruction just sitting next to you in classrooms and stuff. And it's their argument. But at the minute, like humans and mutants have lived together for decades. Um, Magneto, um, you know, I, is is currently in prison. There's, there's no big sort of villain. No. Um, so... There's like, it's not like a school trip, but the way that uh, sort of Jubilee is, uh, she's, you know, the, the school uh, teachers can't tell her no. So she's going to this protest, you know, and they're making the banners and there's, there's quite a group of them going. So Rogue um, is sort of like put on, I don't know, like babysitter kind of duty and um, Cyclops and Jean go, um, just sort of to, to, to overlook, um, not expecting anything <laughs> to go wrong. Mm. Um, so during the protests, um, Cyclops uh, notices that um, <clears throat> Nightcrawler is missing, who's one of the kids. Um, and then more importantly, he then misses he then notices that Havoc has gone missing, who is his brother, younger brother, much younger in this case, by about 12 uh, years or so. I like um, that you've got those the right way around. Because <laughs> that annoyed me in first class. Okay. Um, yeah. 
yeah um i did yeah <laughs> that wasn't really um that that conscious apart from i wanted uh, oh so no so. i i wasn't i was just saying i was just throwing in like an ex i was just saying like i like the fact that that's that way yeah just a quick thing awesome so um yeah like you see a little earlier in the school that like cyclops is a little harder on havoc than than, than the rest of the class uh, and then and then uh later they find that cannonball's gone missing as well so um again earlier in the school there's a few story beats that i missed um so gambit doesn't trust the protests and stuff and uh, in a sly way, he plants a tracking device on each of the kids that go. So um, Nightcrawler, Cannonball and Havoc, their signals just go dead. Uh, so Sebastian Shaw turns up and um, who, who has the, the ability to absorb and then outpower. Uh, and he like explodes a building whilst the protest is positive and the shit hits the fan. Uh, so, like, the X-Men step into gear, um, but in the way that it's recorded, it appears, it looks like they caused it, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's painted as a, a, a mutant disaster and, and certain phrases of words that, that would be used. Um, so we end up back at the... The mansion, although like the air is very different now, and and the sort of the the political under of undertones that we saw earlier, um, are now much more heightened, and and you can see that there's there's a big difference. So, um, it's one by one the signals start to come back on for these kids. So it's like uh, while they're in a car or, or, or something being transported, the signal was blocked. And when they go back out, they start to come back on. So essentially the team splits up. So Cyclops um, goes to Havoc, um, Storm to Nightcrawler, um, and Wolverine goes to Cannonball. And you, you can add on to that. The, the other people I have is Iceman, Colossus. Um, so yeah, they will, they will go in teams of twos. Um, but they're, they're, they're the main ones, mainly because Cyclops sort of has a moment with Havoc. Um, yeah, so um, with with Nightcrawler's disaster, um, so there's a there's a protest and people uh, he so this is another point. Uh, as they're being transported, so we see that Nightcrawler, Cannonball, and Havoc are being transported in their own vans to their own separate places. Um, so Nightcrawler's put under like sort of um, hypnosis. Um, Havoc is um, so ah, uh, Emma Frost is a teacher at the school. Um, so I mentioned earlier that Cyclops makes, you know, is a little harder on Havoc. Well, um, in that moment, um, he goes to Emma Stone for a bit of comfort, who is clearly, like, grooming him. So uh, they're, they're playing on how um, he lives in his brother's shadow and how he needs to break free. Uh... And it's the ultimate argument that... Um, 
you know, you're mutant, you're the next step in evolution. You don't, you don't, humans can't tell you what to do, you know, especially as a, a young, angry kid. So with Havoc, it's, it's actually sort of intentional. It's just rage that's kind of built up. So there's a moment with um, Cyclops and Havoc. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's a disaster. It, it looks like Cyclops sort of... Um, is 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 the bad guy load like a lot of people get slaughtered because havoc just oh. loses control like in in a crowd okay. so like he has a mission like that there's meant to be buildings that get blown up so um which you see later with a hellfire club but sebastian's show built blows up like um the 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 main sort of um government buildings for the pro humans and mutants living amongst each other these protests are all set up to be on with these buildings you know it's like protecting the way we've been living for let's say a decade um but havoc loses his shit um and just like like it, it's it, that's probably the biggest massacre because pe- people get get slaughtered on that one um Cyclops takes takes that really hard, and then the the Nightcrawler. That's where um, pe- people just start like disappearing, disappearing, and 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 reappearing, falling. Uh, obviously, he's under Nightcrawler is under hypnosis, so that's just like crazy. So like these these protests are are crazy, but it it spins a whole media narrative, like just so. Like mutants are weapons, which um, so after the first protest, the kids we watch a lot of this from them watching the media, you know, uh, coverage the media coverage of it. So what most of the time is in the X Mansion with um, Angel, Kitty Pride, and Jubilee. Uh, the pe- the patching up the wounds from the first protest um, and watching everything happen on the screen. So. They start to notice that in each of the ones, uh, you, so you can see Sebastian Shaw. So Professor X first notices Sebastian Shaw, and then um, Azazel is present with cannonballs, um, oh. and we we get Emma Frost is um, present with cannonballs, though she shouldn't have been there. So that starts to create suspicions. Meanwhile, at this point, as an audience, we're revealed who the Hellfire Club is, um, which, which we see um, Emma's, uh, Emma Frost entering um, this club called the Hellfire Club. She goes into the back room, a private room. Um, it's called the Inner Circle. She enters the Inner Circle room and there's a, there's a huge... Uh, I'm I'm like Game of Thrones style table, um, but with sort of America on it, and they they have the, the the chess pieces at play. They all represent a chess piece, and then the kids sort of represent pawns. Um, so like Sebastian Shaw um, represents the king. Um, Emma Frost is is the the queen. Um, of- oh, are you good? I I'd. Are you doing like the because the like the same ones that they have in the comics? I'm I'm like, putting I, I a bit of a story is like Black King or 
I'm putting like a bit of a spin on it for 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 this. Um, Dang it. So like the um, um, Azazel's the the knight and uh, Mystique is the bishop. Um, I think I've got that right. Yeah. Well. Um, <coughs> So, but you see Mystique um, in the White House um, and in the background um, you've got all the screens which um, as I said before, you've got all the riots happening um, and you you do get that little Easter egg there a bit earlier that Magneto is, is in the cell and, and even though this will be your introduction to him, um, everything's glass you know, and that's quite a signature like Magneto in a cell yeah. is, is a glass yeah. cell. So I, f- I feel like that, that at least make the audience uh, think. So, <laughs> yeah, me. this takes a real nasty turn and we see it live with the kids um, politically of like, um, it's no longer a question of can humans and mutants live together? It's a question of what do we do about the mutant threat? Um, mm. that, that becomes quite prominent whilst through the footage though the footage that's you know an agenda is being pushed through uh the these little pieces like i was saying that they can start to piece together of which professor x has enough knowledge of this um hellfire club this inner circle as like it it is throughout history um hence why ian mcshane uh, i chose ian mcshane and sebastian shaw because i wanted the age there like he's He's been he's been involved for 40, 50 years. And and the one thing I wanted with this is a lot of like history behind it. Um so um yeah, the it it comes to from that the Hellfire Club was is essentially uh making a political move to to start to start a war, um, which would would lead us to the sequel. We don't we don't quite go that far in this film. Um, it, it leads to a confrontation, but without Sebastian Shaw. Um, so, like, when we get the confrontation at the end, the Hellfire Club um, are kind of set up by Sebastian Shaw. Um, they're meant to meet him, uh, but in the, the location is where, back to the children, um, so it's the kids that find out where they are, they piece it together. Um, and Kitty Pride is, is uh, the one to sort of spy on them and find out that they're in this club, but she's still got the tracker on from Gambit. Oh. So, um, that's how it all, all comes to. Um, yeah. Um, and, and then the very last scene is Ian McShane um, opens the cell door to Magneto, and Magneto asks what time it is. Ian McShane, uh, sorry, Sebastian Shaw tells him, and Magneto, who's played by Viggo Mortensen, says, we don't have much time then. Um, and that's sort of where the film ends. Oh. I had to go a bit to and fro because, like, I forgot that I'd planted seeds a lot. Like, in the first bit where you're in the school, there's a lot of seeds planted in that pit that then play off. Yeah, so I seems... really wanted that young adult. I want, you know, it'd be a good 15, 20 minutes, the school scene, you know, as you kind of 
get the vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so it's really juxtaposed when you come <coughs> back and everyone's shook from this bomb that's gone off. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's no longer, we're going to, you know, stand and protest for our rights. It's like, oh shit, are we at war now? Yeah. <laughs> so do we lose uh, Havoc to the the inner circle? Or does... Yeah. Oh yeah, do they get this, uh, Oh, he's um... um Like, H- Havoc sort of... So with, with each of these, like, this isn't like necessarily a great <clears> ending <throat> for the X-Men. Um... That yeah, takes us from like light, like nice days to dark days. Um, so mm. like in this, in my if this was to be my franchise, like Nightcrawler would end up being quite the villain. Um, when, when we see him again and shit, so that like, these kids like and Havoc and Cannonball that they're to be fucked with. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask you about Nightcrawler because I was because I know you mentioned you were gonna play on the brother relationship with Havoc and Cyclops. I was wondering, are you gonna play with the the parental relationship that with um, Nightcrawler and Azazel, or or like with Nightcrawler and uh, Mystique? Because because you've got both of them there, that would be a good like tw- turn him to the dark side kind of way to do it. Yeah, I, I definitely expected that happy accident there, Solo. I, to be honest, I, was, I, did, I didn't, I, I didn't even realise they were the parents. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know, but like, absolutely, that yeah. just ties if you want, sweet. If, yeah, if you want him as the villain, like, down the line, that's a great way to be like, you know, it's the classic, like, you know, the Darth Vader, like, join me. Yeah. <laughs> like, be with be with me. Like, to, we, can, we can establish a new mutant empire. <laughs> Absolutely, that's awesome. So, oh, but I didn't really get into Nate Gray. So, he shows up uh, during the 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 Cannonball, um, which um, is the one that Jean Storm. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, it's the one that Storm goes to. So, like, um, they they so like. He's so Cannonball is um, like the clone of Cyclops and Jean, like in some alternate oh, wow. future, right? You have you froze solo? No, I, I haven't that froze. Wrong? I was just confused. No, I mean, wait, is he? Well, Phoenix and Cyclops. Thought, it says, oh, oh, wait, you're talking about Nate, Nate Gray is the clone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you said Cannonball. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, I might, I might have done if the, I do. I, I think apologize. he did say Cannonball. I think he did okay. say Cannonball. Right. Yeah. So, whilst Cannonball, who I'll explain Cannonball. So, um, Cannonball's like fucking uh, can just like throw himself with incredible force. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, no, like jet, speed, like jet speeds. So, like, he literally hits, like, he, he's just like a missile. And um, yeah causes like chaos utter absolute chaos uh but during that chaos um the nate gray appears and like so storm isn't like the the best powers for this because like she's kind of got chaotic powers as well so it's a fuck show like Mm. it's almost like this was designed step by step um 
to to make the X Men in terms of the news reporting like look the worst. Oh yeah, they were getting you know, played. Look incompetent and yeah. So um, like whilst like Storm's fucked, like Nate Gray sort of uh, comes in to help her a bit, but it's like this this is this isn't my problem. I've got other mm. shit going on. There's there's more than you know, love. Yeah. It's like multiverses and multiverses. I I gotta go. His thing beeps and he's out of there. She's like. What what just happened? Uh, so that's just yeah. literally to give you the context, um, but also like I'm gonna have Nate like pretty cool. I I want I, I want Ansel Egot to play him. Um, like he's gonna keep it really cool while shit's kicking off, and he's like, look, club, <laughs> like th- this this is minor. Uh, don't yeah. worry about it. I've got places to be. There's other shit kicking off right now, and like. In my mind, he's kind of referring to the whole snap and the five years and the other shit that's going on within the what okay. universe. Um, but yeah, that's just I just thought that and, and thinking the way that like there's an explosion going on, Storm's trying to use fucking lightning to help. That's not like helping the way Edgar Wright can put all that together whilst mm. this like cool motherfucker from an alternate reality looks like he's from the future. What the fuck's going on here? What's he even doing? Um, yeah, that so, um, that's where we get the context that there's other alternate universes, and then we get the two end credit scenes. Um, and one of those is with Doctor Strange, which, um, I would like, um, Strange and Nate Gray. <laughs> Sorry, no, no Doctor Strange turns up uh, <laughs> at the mansion, um. And that would tie in with the multiverse, but I haven't seen the multiverse. So, <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I would have, uh, I assume that in the, in Doctor Strange and the multiverse, he learns like how to travel through the multiverse. Like I'm assuming that's an outcome of that film for my end credit scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine so. So yeah, so either way, the budgets are going to be huge because you might have got a lot of destruction in your films. Um, yeah, just on the cast. Nice. Which is nice. Um, I think, yeah, but yeah I'm, very, I'm two very going, different like, films. You know, powers and shit. Budgeting a different kind of budget. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, yeah, I... I'm, I'm liking the sounds of both of them. Um, I'm especially liking the the whole school scene and that with Rogan's. I think, especially with um, protests and whatnot, that's quite uh, quite in the media today at the moment, especially especially over the last year. So I like how it's how it's tied yeah. with current events. It's a um, it's a good. Yeah, it's a good, like, modern way to use mutants in the kind of way that they've always been used in Marvel Comics. You know yeah. what I mean? I literally kind of took inspiration with that and was like, like the X-Men's always kind of mirrored kind of, like, civil rights movements. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I wrote um, to for my English, uh, for my media studies A-level, I did a, a comparison piece on Days of Future Past and the civil rights movement, comparing like Malcolm X to Magneto and um, 
Martin Luther to Charles. Um, and I've always liked that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's intentional. Maybe you might know better solo if it's no, actually... I, I'm pretty sure... I think that was the intended comparison, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, at least when like when they started, it was. Well, I guess it's, it's just that kind of... As well as being... I think there was some direct inspiration, like that kind of paradigm. Is you know that's like a, that, that's the ageless question of like you know violence in in the cause of right versus like non-violent liberation. It's always yeah. like the the philosophical crux of the X Men is just good that way. That's the thing, because you can often, like, I always find myself, like, somewhat, I, I I get Magneto's point, you know, like, the humans are scared of the mutants, so they're always trying to, you know, fuck with them, experiment on them, so I get why the mutants might want to be like, yo, like, we can squash you like bugs. You need yeah, to, mutants are superior. Relax a little bit, like, yeah. you need to chill, innit? But, like, obviously, as humans, we always are scared of what what's stronger than us, I guess. Um, yeah, what's different even like, I think that's what it comes mm. I think that's the fundamental like that it comes down to at least at least in the X-Men ones I mean it's just like difference equals bad or at least that's the like that's the vibe I was going for with mine as well yeah yeah I'm confident in saying that I feel like both your films would get a sequel um, if they were to be made I feel mm. like they both set up very nicely for a sequel as well. Um, I feel like that's almost a requirement of the MCU at this point. That, that Definitely. Although yeah, just superheroes on the whole, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You've got your odd sure. few like Logan that stands alone, but that's like few and far between. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't mean, be surprised if that doesn't get a sequel. I didn't see Dark Phoenix. Um yeah, that but Armageddon, to. from what I can remember, Apocalypse itself. Apocalypse, one of Oh, yeah, Armageddon. yeah, X-Men Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, that kind of wrapped itself nicely, didn't it? Well, I mean, it was... Yeah, I prefer it as an ending than Dark Phoenix as an ending. But I mean, mm. but, I, but I just really like, I like Apocalypse as a villain. So I just like I loved it for that reason, regardless of how good or bad the story would end up being. Yeah, yeah, I do. I like. I just thought it was like really wooden, and I don't know. <laughs> it seemed oh, no, a bit like definitely they crazy. didn't need to make that movie. <laughs> yeah, for an actor like Oscar Isaac's as well, I was I was very very disappointed with mm. with, with that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the the villain in mine isn't like straight up clean cut Sebastian Shaw. I mean, the the Hellfire Crew is the the villain's more ideological, yeah. You know, and it's 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 more. Oh, you know, I've just re- oh, I've just realised who I would cast instead of jug i mean instead of daniel craig for juggernaut okay do, um david thulis or thulis how do you say it you, you know the guy who plays like uh you know, lupin and shit yeah yeah david yeah. fluis oh, okay that would be much yeah that, i think that he would work a lot better across from ben kingsley as well 
Yeah. So, uh, I, I was trying to squeeze Nathan Fillion into mine. I'd like to see him in the next oh, yeah. film, but I just I couldn't find the right. I want I wanted Cyclops a bit younger, so that didn't quite work. And, mm. um, we've also we, we've seen David Lewis play uh, Rudolf Hess in Boy in Striped Pajamas, so we know he's a not a very nice man. <laughs> yeah, he, he can, can play. play he can play in not a, hey, a not a very nice. Have you man. not seen Dragonheart? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Bastard. Do you know what? Yeah, it's horrible in that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I like That's... how we both picked very different. Uh, like you picked from day one, and I very much wanted wanted history. Mm. Um, with yeah. My... Now, I don't mind us. I mean, I've completely like kind of skipped around the rules, really. Fit an X Men film in the MCU, yeah, just oh, you know, you had the multiverse tie in, so you know, I count it, yeah, yeah, and I feel like with both of your films, I mean, whereas Solos is more set in the time of you know, like the MCU, it it fits nicer in that kind of sense. I feel like there is the ability with the sequel to your film Rogan, and with that being the post credit scene to then fit very nicely into the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. I guess after we see what they do with Doctor Strange. A um, big, yeah, a we big, could we're... you could do like an incursions story like that down the line. Like there, there's this thing in the comics when like the multiverses start to collide. So you could even do like an Avengers X Men, you know, Avengers versus X Men as the incursion battle or something. You know, like whenever you wanted if you do it your way. Yeah, one of the one of the things I really worry about as as Disney starts to just buy up everything is, is that the, um, it's like creative freedom, you know, and not being like so fixed within a canon that that um, it doesn't allow for something like the X Men to exist alongside the Avengers whilst not clashing. Do, do you know well, what I mean? I so, think like using an alternate universe at least offers two worlds to play in whilst having certain paths that Wolverine can show up in the Avengers, you mm. know, for example. Um, yeah, I, f- I think the good, like, or at least, like, the kind of logic I applied to it, at least, was that in, like, comics, there's, like, mutants that pop up sporadically. Like, I mean, like, for example, Apocalypse, who is the villain in Age of Apocalypse. He's, like, thousands of years old. So it's like, you can, like, I mean, at least like the way that I'm imagining that they're going to explain away it is be like, like, like the, the way that I said, was like, oh yeah, you know, population suddenly has increased, mm. but there are certain historical ones that like, you know, they can say like, okay, Apocalypse was one, you know, Logan, Wolverine would have been one. Or well, like, like, I guess that you know, like you, it would kind of give, liberty that way as well as the multiverse route you know what i mean yeah i was thinking about how uh, the mcu has sort of mutants you know like um um what's she called scarlet witch yeah scarlet witch and essentially you know what what is somebody with powers in the mcu is it's some type of some type of 
mutation or, or um, evolution, you know, even down to Captain America, where, where it was mm. chemically infused, it was still a mutation that happened. So, like, um, I feel like I the Avengers are still sort of mutants. It just hasn't been labelled as such. Now, do, do, do you want to know the nerd explanation? Quite, sure. Yeah. All right. So how they how they do it in comics is there's they 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 actually split the hairs on a human mutate and a human mutant. So a mutant is someone that has the X gene that will develop powers naturally through like some just by living, whereas people like Spider Man. Captain America, like those kind of people, like Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, even Daredevil counts as like a mutate because it's like it's like it's it's some it's something like they both of these types of human have the potential to develop powers, but one develops it naturally, which is the mutant, and a mutate develops it through some kind of incident. Yeah, like a cut. Like, like that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how they split the hairs in comics. So, like, <laughs> say Peter like Parker has a word. son. Yeah. Oh, who has a son from the, um, the mutates side? Oh, I don't know. And then actually. their kids are usually born. Mutants. Iron Man has a daughter. Well, he's he's not but really. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have he's, powers. He's just, yeah, he's just rich. Yeah. yeah I don't know. In I which some senses. Need to pass it on. Um, yeah, well, that's interesting. It's that almost leads Blood to memory. like, uh, you know, like in Harry Potter, where, where you have, um, I mean, I feel not just saying the word, but where you have mudbloods. I mean, no one is a mudblood, but like, it's a proper <laughs> yeah. dirty word to say, isn't it? You know, trust. Um, it reminds yeah. me of that. There being these two ones, like born natural and the other one is like yeah it's essentially it's it's like it's like the n-word of the harry potter world yeah. where it's like it's just mm. so like, it's like dirty, you just man. look down yeah it's like when people use it they look down on them like they're a, you know it's yeah. like an inferior it's an inferiority which yeah. again i mean very much the mutant life in it it is indeed and again as we were saying earlier scared of what's different Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I found it interesting going back to to solos for a second. Uh, Leading it off with the the brother, the you know the brothers. Um, Is that is that where the comic books uh, do the origin story or? Yeah, that is. Yeah, like I did try to like I've changed like. In my head, I've changed it subtly, which is that uh, I think Juggernaut was older than Xavier, and I'm going to do it the other way around. So Xavier's older than Juggernaut, but that is how, like, they are foster brothers, and like uh, Francis Marco, I think, is Kane Marco is the Juggernaut, and I think it's Francis Marco is the dad and he marries Xavier's mom. So they become foster brothers. And then like, it's the same story when they go to Korea, um, they find the temple of Sirak 
but then because it's a war zone, you know, bombs go off and Cain gets buried in the temple and Xavier assumes he's dead and just has to live with that. So, yeah, like no, it was very much the like juggernaut origin of the comics that I was adapting. Yeah, I feel like I, I knew that, but like I needed reminding of it, if that makes sense, that, that they were stepbrothers. They're like, it, that is just like a little booky fact that I stored to yeah. the back of my head. Well, it's in the animated series, so that's probably where you, you've heard it ah, from. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, that is a fascinating relationship because it's all power and no power and all mental ability mm. and no mental ability. Yeah, they're, they're very much they're the complete reverse of each other. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what a dynamic. Yeah. I wish we could make them. Although yeah, like, so we probably wouldn't see each other for two years if we were making such a film. <coughs> Not that we see each other run away. Mm. It's nearly been one. Yeah. In that. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. that's the show, yeah, folks. As they say, I guess, um, kick it off, troops. Yeah, uh, when this episode comes out, leave leave your comments about wh- which one you like. I mean, it's hard to. I wouldn't really be able to pick a winner with this one. So, oh wait, maybe you... say what you what you want to see, what you'd like to see. Would you give it a sequel? Yeah. Did we do our? Did we say what our titles were going to be? I don't think I don't, I don't think, think we gave did. them, did we? But we can we can end on that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's quickly. Shall we just end on that? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. So mine uh, coming was, soon is. Yeah. So mine is X Men: Children of Infinity, which is a play on Children of the Am, is what is which is what they're called in the comic. Okay, my mine like I really really struggled with this so. Um, it's a working title um, only because like I'd, I'd envisioned uh, like a sequel to it. So I was going to call it X-Men Stand um, because of the protest element. With And then the, the next one would be X-Men Fall and then X-Men Rise. I was going to do Stand, Fall and Rise. Okay. Um, but like that was just a working and I, I didn't actually come up with anything better. So that's, I had to say something. I like it still. <laughs> I like it. Still. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's, it. Like they're nice as a series of titles. They work well together. Like, you know, it's like it's a very clear cut set that works quite nicely. Indeed. Oh yeah. So X Men Son or X Men Children of Infinity. That is nice. Double feature. Yeah. Mm. Fuck Tom Welling in your film, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It's, he won't be happy with the role. <laughs> but it's a re- it will be a recurring. He'll be a recurring villain because they don't like they don't dead him off in this. He'll he'll be back. Yeah, he'll mock Gideon this bitch. I toyed with putting Striker oh, in it, and really. then I thought this is too much. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Cool. Thank you all for listening. Bless. Yeah. Thanks.